welcome everybody. Good to see you. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. Made it out into the cold. Nice job. I commend you very much. Well done. So we got a few more people kind of trickling in. So yeah, if you want to find a seat, we've got some more seats right up here in the front. Um, yeah, come on in. Raise your hand if you had a good break. Christmas break. Yeah, good. At least 80% there. That's not bad. We'll take that. Well, hey, um, I just wanted to tell you, we are so excited uh, to be back um, with D6, and uh, we're just fired up about another semester, and um, we got a text from a mom about two weeks ago, and she said, if I have to tell my kids one more time when D6 finally starts, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, you know, so there's been some some building excitement, you know, I know that's been true of our crew as, as well. Hey, I want to welcome you too, if you're brand new to D6, if this is your first time here, um, we just want to say welcome. Um, tonight we're going to talk about just some very fun, uh, fundamental things about D6 and kind of how we operate and what we value and, and kind of what we're shooting for too as a group. And so, so we'll cover um, some of that tonight and we just want to um, really welcome you here. So I um, wanted to start tonight just by praying over our semester. You know, when I think about the next nine weeks, um, I really get excited about what God could do um, in our homes over the course of the next nine weeks as we really as a group come together week after week and we say, hey, um, let's get equipped, let's get better, and let's figure out how we can continue to be more and more intentional with what God would want to do in our homes. And I believe that God wants to do um, some really neat things. And I know he, he did that last semester. He's done that over the break in many of your homes. And we just want to continue on in that course and really seek God for what he would have for the, for the next generation for our kids. And so I asked um, Sterling Boyles to come up and just to pray um, just really over our semester. He's one of our parents. And uh, just to really pray over our semester. And so, yeah, Sterling, if you want to do that, that would be, that'd be great. Thanks, man. Awesome. It's really great to see everyone here. So, uh, Jeff gave me a call this morning and said that he had asked for me to come up and lead you guys in prayer and uh, to kind of give you a brief, what was it that D6 meant to me? And so, definitely the words that he said about intentionality and making hmm. sure that I show Christ to others through the actions that I do and how I show Christ to my children. And so, I just wanted to pray for everyone, so hmm. just bow your heads. Yeah. Father God, thank you so much for bringing us together once again to be able to dig into your word and for us to be able to be equipped as parents and to use the tools that we're learning to be able to pass that down to our children and to see it come to fruition. And thank you, Father, for your word, and thank you, Father, mostly for your son who died on that cross for us. Hmm. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate thank it. All right, good deal. Well, hey, um, before we uh, jump into to where we're going tonight, um, I wanted to show you this. Uh, a guy sent me a commercial that Coca-Cola did, um, and uh, I'm not sure if it's, uh, if it's played yet or not, but anyway, it's, it's pretty humorous about the ups and downs of parenting. So yeah, take a look at this, uh, this fun commercial. There's a light, a certain kind of light that never shone.
I wasn't sure if that guy was going to cry or, you know, or what he was going to do. So kind of the ups and downs, I think we can all uh, relate to that. So hey, tonight, um, before we dive in, I want us to look back a little bit and just to talk about some of the things that are really important, that really frame how we relate to each other in this room and really how we'll pursue what God has for us as we go throughout the course of this semester. And so I want to talk to you about the four values that we laid out on week one of our last semester. And the first one, if you remember it, it was that we are a group that we really believe that there are no perfect parents, um, that no perfect parents. And, and when we say that, what we mean is this, is that we believe we're all on a journey. Nobody has arrived. And so I just want you to, to really understand and know that this is an environment of grace. Um, and so we're going to be the kind of people in this room that um, when we talk about parenting, uh, we're not going to act like we've all got it figured out because we don't. We're all on a journey together to, to really to get better. And I really commend you for being here and saying, hey, I'm intentionally trying to get better as a parent. Um, but again, we're saying right out on the front end, we're saying, hey, this is an environment, no perfect parents. The second thing that we, um, we said right on the front end that we value is that the future outweighs the past. Um, you could think of it like this. The direction that your feet are pointing are more important than the past road you've traveled. Um, so the direction, the, the, the future... It, far outweighs the past. And um, I, I say that to you because there are people that will come into an environment like this, they'll sit around a circle or they'll maybe hear an interview we'll do or something like that and they'll go, whoa, that's just so not me. I'm just so, I, I'm, not, I'm not there. And um, we just want you to know that the, the most important thing is not so much where you've been, but it's where you're going. And it's where you're saying, hey, this is what I, I believe that God is the direction he's leading me. And and you can just be confident here that we're saying, hey, it's more important where you're pointing than, than where you've been. The third value that we raised up, the third of the four, was this, is that leaders are learners. And, um, and so that's why we just come together. Um, leaders are learners. That's, you know, kind of a, a leadership uh, statement that's made pretty frequently. And, and you all are leaders in your home. And um, one of the things that leaders do is they get better. And so, again... This is a place where we're going to say, hey, we're just going to come together every week and we're going to value the fact that leaders are learners and we're going to learn, we're going to humble ourselves and we're going to say, God, would you, would you be our teacher? So that was our, that's our third value. And then our fourth one is this. At D6, we want to celebrate small steps. Um, we want to take great, um, really joy and victory in the small things that God does in our homes and in our lives. Um, we know that creating a D6 family, and we'll talk about what D6 family means but when we say, when we want to be a D6 family, we know that that doesn't happen on one big, uh, one big action. Um, you don't become a D6 family overnight, right? It's, it's the small things. It's the small little victories. It's this little conversation. It's when you think, oh, I don't want to bring it up. I feel foolish. We're at the dinner table, and the kids are going to laugh at me. But in you, instead, you just you do it, and you say it. That's a small victory. That's the kind of stuff in this environment that we are going to champion and, and really celebrate. And so we've got um, actually some ways, too, that we want to capture um, small success stories. And so you'll notice in the back that there are a box that says success stories. And, um, and then you can also go to d6 at brookside.net. And um, if you ever have anything that happens in your home that you think would be encouraging to other parents. And I'm telling you, this doesn't have to be major stuff. This could be, wow, I, I talked about spiritual things for the first time around the kitchen table, you know, and my kids maybe didn't listen at all, but you took a step. That would be an example of something that would encourage a lot of people. And so I want to encourage you, please send us those stories because you would be amazed at the ideas and even just the, the motivation that that will give other people. So we want to celebrate small steps. That's our last, our last value. 
Next thing I want to talk about with you is we have different things that happen over the course of the night. Particularly if you're new, you might not know how things flow and, and that sort of thing. And so I just want you to know, we uh, at Brookside, we talk a lot about this. We, we ask this question. We say, what's the win? And what we're saying as a staff when we say what's the win is we're saying, what defines success in this area? Um, so when we get in our car at the end of the night and we're driving home and it's cold and, you know, and, or our volunteers are getting home or, you know, they're driving through whatever to get home and, and they're thinking, wow, was it really worth me going? We want them to know, you know what, this is what it, would, what, this is what it meant for me to succeed, okay? And so I want to tell you what it means for us, what our goal is in each one of the three environments that you'll be a part of tonight. So the first one is this. We've got the classroom time. Um, and so you've dropped your kids off into that environment. And I just want to tell you, this is what we're shooting for when your kids are in the classroom environment. We want to create an environment where kids hear God's truth and where they get linked up with a small group leader. Um, very basic. We want them to hear a Bible story. We want them to be taught God's truth in a good and a compelling way. But then we also want them to get linked up with a small group leader, someone that when they come the next week is going to know their name. That's a big deal. You know, my kids, um, but I tell you what, I, I know who is leading them in the nursery right now. My, my littlest guy is three years old. It's Mr. Eric. And he talks about Mr. Eric all the time, right? Mr. Eric is making Brookside a very positive place for my, my three-year-old. And so our goal is we get those kids in that other environment when they're over there across the hall. We want them to get good truth, but we also want them to get connected to a leader. So that's, that's the win for that time. Um, when you're in here, what's the win? What are we shooting for when we're in our parent equipping time? Very simple. We want to encourage and empower you to lead your family spiritually. Um, our big win for D6 is that we would be a group of people that we would say we are the primary disciples of our kid. We're not relying on the pastor to do that or uh, the nursery staff or anybody else, but we would say, moms, dads, we are the primary ones that are going to raise our kids up um, spiritually. And so in this environment, we just want to equip you and we want to empower you and we want to encourage you. And so if you walk away and you're encouraged or if you walk away and you go, I've got a new idea of something I could try. Um, that would be a that would be a win in this environment. Okay, the next the third place that that you travel on a D6 night is the combined experience um, at the end of the night. It's a high drama. It's singing. It's it's a it's a skit that sort of thing. And here's what we want to do during that time. We want to drive home the bottom line. Okay, um, if you could take out this sheet right here, it says uh, D6. Uh, second semester schedule. Um, there should be enough copies for everybody on your table there. When we go downstairs together, what we want to do is this. We want to kind of put an exclamation point on the things that your children have already heard over there in their classroom. They've been taught a virtue. Um, we work through virtues together, but they've also been taught a Bible story. Um, and so downstairs, we're not going to rehash that whole Bible story. That's not our goal. Our goal really for them is to have some fun and for that virtue to be mentioned enough and that bottom line to be en mentioned enough that you can get into your car and you can begin a conversation with your kids based on what's happened uh, downstairs. So I wanted to give you this schedule so that you really know on the front end, hey, here's where we're going the next nine weeks. So in January, as you can see, we're going to cover the virtue of knowledge. Um, and then when we get to February, we'll go to faith. And then in March, we'll talk about forgiveness. Uh, you'll also notice under each one of the dates there, like tonight, the bottom line is this. Knowing what God says helps me make the wise choice. So your kids are hearing about that. They're hearing a Bible story about how Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. They're also being introduced to our very first memory verse, which you'll see there is 2 Timothy 3.16. Um, 
So anyway, that's, that's where we're going um, with the kids uh, in their time. That's what we're trying to achieve with our time as parents. And then at the end of the night, we want to come together and we want to have a fun time. Our, one of our goals with D6 is that kids would say, that's the, that's the best hour of my week. That's our goal. That kids would say, that's a highlight hour. And then that a parent would say, that was a helpful hour to let me lead a conversation. You could say this, D6 was a catalyst for me to really lead my family spiritually. That's how we um, really look at how we, could, we can win together. So um, last thing I want to draw your attention to is this, and, and we're doing kind of a lot of logistical stuff tonight, but I, I think it's important that we really um, just understand where we're going on the front end. So I want you to take out this stack of cards. These are your take-homes for this week. So every week, um, if you're new to D6, every week you'll get a paper-clipped um, little stack of cards. You'll get three cards like this. And on this card, we've revamped these a little bit based on some of the feedback that you've given us. Um, you'll see the virtue at the top. That's the knowledge that we talked about. That's our virtue for, for January. The bottom line, that's the thing. That's the main statement. We're not going to try to teach the kids 30 points tonight. We're going to try to teach them one thing this week, and it's knowing what God says helps me make the wise choice. And so if you're at home this week, you can talk about that. That won't be foreign language to your kids. You can talk about what does that mean and live that out. And then you've noticed there your family memory verse. Um, this, again, we're not wanting just our kids to memorize scripture. We're saying, hey, moms and dads, let's lead the way. Even if this is brand new, this would be a huge win in your home. If you could say, hey, as a family, um, we're going to put these things on the fridge and we're going to memorize this verse. If you're brand new to the group, we've got some magnets out in the hallway that you can just put this thing right on, got a little grommet, and you can, you can put... Um, Put these on your refrigerator every week um, and, uh, and make sure you go back to those. So that's the memory verse. That's the, the value or, the, yeah, the virtue in the, in the bottom line. If you turn it over, it says intentional time week one. Um, on the back there, you'll notice that we've got what we call those icons there. We've got drive time, meal time, and night time. So we're trying, what we're trying to do is this. We're trying to equip you. We're trying to give you different opportunities throughout the day when you can talk about spiritual things with your kids. Because, again, we know that one sermon doesn't change anybody's life, right? But what's most powerful in, the, in really raising up the next generation is that parents would just, um, little here, little there, little here, little there. And so we just want to give you some ways in which you can bring up conversations um, based on some of the topics that we've covered. So you'll notice, again, drive time, meal time, and, um, and night time there. All right, so that's your take-home cards. Again, if you're new, um, you can grab a, a refrigerator magnet in the hallway there. And uh, it's been fun just to be at some different people's homes, um, you know, throughout the course of last semester. And uh, man, it's just a blast just to notice, you know. Oh, there it is, hanging up on their fridge, you know. And, and we, we just kind of got these things um, in our homes. So that's a, that's a good thing. It's fun to see. Okay, Switching gears a little bit. Um, tonight, what I want to do is I want to talk to you um, about, and I, I feel like this is really my role with D6, it's to look for the best resources out there on the most relevant topics for us and to say, okay, what are the best nuggets of those best resources? How can we boil them down and how can we give those to you? And so tonight, I want to give you two statements and then we're going to look at two um, passages of scriptures. So here's the first statement. You might want to jot this down. Here it is. Don't, and we'll put it up on the deal too, don't give up what is unique to you for something someone else will do. Don't give up what is unique to you for something someone else will do. I heard this on a podcast about parenting, and, and um, it was just uh, very insightful. Think about this. Think about the relationships that you have, and also think about the different responsibilities that you have 
um, even throughout just a given week. Now, I want you to imagine for a second, maybe that your, let's say your role changed in the company that you work in and you were laid off. Now, ask yourself the question, would you be replaced? Yes, you would, right? I mean, you would be replaced or let's say the company goes out of business, right? Um, someone else, some other company will take over and they will fulfill those roles, right? Um, think about this. If you have a friend, maybe here in Omaha, and they move away, what typically happens to the friendship? Yeah, it kind of dissipates, doesn't it? Um, we had some friends, uh, Joe and Joe McGargle. Love these guys. And uh, they were in our, our, our community group for years. And I thought to myself, when they moved, he, he became, it was a, ended up being a doctor over in Des Moines. And I thought to myself, man, when Joe and Joe move, we will still talk to them every week. I just know we will, because we're just that close, you know? <laughs> and what I, what I realized was this. We were that close because our schedules crossed paths so often. That's why we were so close. Think about the relationships that you have at work. If you were laid off, if you left your job, those relationships would probably dissipate quicker than we might want to admit, right? A lot of our friendships would as well. But when you think about being a parent, here it is. Don't give up what is unique to you for something someone else will do. You will be replaced in all sorts of areas of your life, right? I mean, if you go away, someone else will pick it up. I was sick last weekend. I missed church. I'll tell you what, I had some responsibilities. This place didn't miss a beat. Tim Weeby stepped right into my roles and things went right on, right? And that, that just happens. But think about this. In your role as a parent, you can't be replaced. You are unique in your role as a parent. Um, and so let that, kind of, um, let that kind of sit and kind of, kind of marinate um, with you. I want us to turn to this passage. And this is, this, if you're new to D6, this is the hallmark passage of D6. And so if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here it is. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we'll start in verse 4. Every time I read this, and I was hesitant to go back to this, I thought, man, how many times is D6 going to look at D6, Deuteronomy 6? And, and I thought... Well, a lot. You know why? Because every time I go to this, I go, oh, that's it. And you know what this passage is? This passage is the formula. This passage is like the, here's the how to pass on the, our faith to the next generation. It's the best way we can do it. And here's, here's what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today, they're to be upon your hearts. And then here's the instruction. Impress them. Here's what we're supposed to do. How do you pass on your faith to your kids? Here it is. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And here's the whole point of this passage. Every time I look at this, I'm just reminded, okay, I have a very unique role as a parent. I might be able to be replaced in a lot of different areas, but each one of us, your role as a parent, if you're the one that can do this, you're the only one that can walk with your child, you're the only one that will be there when they lie down, you're the only one that will be there when they get up, your role as a mom, your role as a dad, it's unique to you. Don't let anybody else step into that role and don't ever give up the most, really the precious, most precious role that you've got and that's to, to, to lead your kids in that way. The second statement that I want to mention tonight is this. You might jot this down. I thought this was pretty cool. Um, here it is. Your greatest contribution to society may not be something that you do, but someone you raise. Your greatest contribution to society may not be something you do, but someone that you raise. Um, 
And I was just thinking about intentionality and, and the persistence and the perseverance that it takes to, to be a parent and to keep the things of God in, in front of your kids. And it's countercultural, it's hard, schedules get in the way. And, but as I was thinking about this whole thing of how that investment might be more impactful to our society than anything that I do, any, any initials you can have behind your name, any company that you can lead, potentially the greatest impact that you will have on society is not what you do, but it's, it's actually who you raise. It's who you invest in. I mean, that's a big deal. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. And as I thought about this whole conviction and uh, the, the conviction that it really takes to take that role seriously, I, I thought of Joshua. And um, I just want to read these verses to you. This is from Joshua chapter 24, and these are familiar words. But Joshua's on his deathbed. He's old. I mean, he's been leading these people for decades. And what does he do? He calls this whole nation together. He calls this nation of people together. And he says these are like his last words. Um, this is from Joshua chapter 24. And I'll, I'll read a chunk of it, and then we'll put up on the screens the last words that he said. He said this in verse 14. Speaking to this huge nation, he says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. And, and they had many things that they were worshiping. He says, Throw away the gods that your forefather worshiped beyond the, the river and in, the, in Egypt and, and serve the Lord. Verse 15, he says, But if serving the Lord, if it seems undesirable to you, he's kind of like giving them options. He says, Then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods that your forefather served beyond the river the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And then he says this, a defining statement. It's as though he said, okay, there might be all of these things that I've accomplished in my life, but it's as though he was saying, but this one, this might be important than anything else that Joshua would be known for. He said, but as for me, just conviction, I love this. But as for me, this is of most importance. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And what I love about that is this, and I, this, is what, this is just really my brief challenge to you tonight. Number one, don't underestimate the very unique role that you have as a parent. Um, we have a privilege, but we also have this huge responsibility that God has given us. But also on the, on the second side, not only is it unique, but think about this. The greatest contribution that you might make to your children, or I mean, we've got some grandparents in here that have stepped in and said, you know what, I'm the spiritual leader for my grandchildren. The greatest contribution you might make is not what you will do, what you accomplish, but it's that child that you're gonna invest in. And I love how Joshua said, okay, I'm looking at all of life, I'm looking at this nation of people. And he cared about the next generation. And he looked back and he said, hey nation, he said, you might go this way and you might go that way. But he said, as for me, I'm looking around my own dinner table, he said, as for me and my crew, we will serve the Lord. And um, I just want to just kind of offer that as an encouragement and as a challenge to you tonight. One, your role is hugely unique. Um, so so let's, let's remind ourselves of that. But two, let's be the kind of people that we would say, maybe the greatest thing I will do in the next nine weeks, maybe the greatest thing that I will do my entire life is to bring up a spiritual conversation with my children. Um, it's, it's that significant. Okay, I want to um, switch gears, and I'm, I'm really excited about the, the direction we're about to head here. Lots of times, if you've been coming to D6, we, um, we do an interview um, kind of towards the end, and, and um, most often we hear from uh, 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 parents. Um, we hear from people that are further along than most people in the room, right, that have more experience. My kids are eight, uh, six, and three. I remember that. Eight, six, and three, that's right. And... Um, 
So I've only got, I've got a limited experience. You know, I, I can't tell you how to raise a teenager because I don't have one. I could give you some resources maybe. So usually what we do is we bring in parents that are a little bit further along and we pick their brains. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes I, I, I leave those interviews and I go, that's the one thing I want to take home. That was worth it. Tonight we're going to do something different. We're going to bring up two young men, two college guys. And um, the reason why I want to bring these two guys up is this. Um, I'm around these guys a lot. I love these two, Michael and Ben. You guys can actually come on up. Yeah. If you guys welcome these guys up, that would be great, actually. Yeah. So here's what I want to do. I, these guys are on our staff, so I know them pretty well. Um, I'm in a small group with them, and um, I think a lot of them. They have, they're guys, they're young men of high character. They're young men that are pursuing Jesus Christ with passion. Um, they're fun to be around. Um, but here's the thing that's standing out to me. Um, and I heard this. I heard kind of a mentor of mine from afar, a guy who I'll probably never meet. But he, he made this statement. He said, one of my goals as a parent is this. He said, I want my kids when they are, uh, as they grow up, I want them to want to be with us, meaning him and his wife. I want them to want to be with us and their siblings when they have the freedom to do otherwise. So when my kids are old enough to choose, will I come home or will I not? He's saying, I want them to want to come home. Now, here's what happened. This is yesterday morning after our group was meeting. Ben um, was talking about his brother. His brother walked on, played uh, football at Nebraska last semester, and um, he had the opportunity to play for him again. But Ben just mentioned in passing, he said it was actually kind of hard for him. He said it's such a big commitment, and he said he just he's only able to come home for like this two-month window. If he's ever going to pop home, it's going to have to be in just this little two-month window um, over the course of next year. And he said that was hard for him. He said, because our family is so, so tight. And I've heard him brag about his parents before in very honoring ways. Michael, same thing. This guy will say to you, his dad is his hero. Um, I've been around his dad. His dad is one of my heroes. I mean, this guy is a godly man, right? So these guys come from some really good stock. Their parents aren't perfect, but their parents were intentional, and they did um, some pretty cool things, and these guys are the fruit of that. So, um, guys, thanks for, thanks for coming. So, we, man, I'll tell you what. This is why I'm so excited about this. We met this afternoon, went through these questions, and I just thought, whoa, please hit record because this is some, some good meat here. So, all right, we're going to dive in and um, waste no further time. All right, ready? All right, first of all, tell us a little bit about your family. All right, so yeah, my dad's name was Kirby, um, and he's a home builder in Yankton, South Dakota, and that's where I was raised I ho my whole life. We were born and raised there, all of us. Um, so Yankton, South Dakota, um, my mom is Donna, and she um, is kind of like a stay-at-home mom, and she does like the bills and the tax work for my dad, so not an easy task there between those two. So she does a lot at home. Um, and then I have an older brother, and he just had a baby on Wednesday, so he's going right along through life. Um, he's married, and... He is 28, and yeah, so they had their baby on Wednesday, so that's pretty exciting. Um, and then I have a, an older sister, um, Katie, and she is, let me think here, 24, so um, actually 25. So she's a hairstylist, works at Garbo's here um, in Omaha, and then I have a younger brother, and he is a junior, um, or a senior, sorry, in high school. So he's going to be moving on down to Omaha, too. I think he's going to Grace, so that's just a little bit about my family. And, yeah, but that's and who else is in your life? Who else in my life? Oh, Emma. Yeah, I just got married. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's like... We can edit my, that right yeah, out of the yeah, tape. Yeah. No so. These guys are great back there, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, she, Emma's yeah. probably going to hear that. But, um, yeah, so I just got married um, almost six months ago. So just coming up on six months. So, yeah. Awesome. Ben. I'm Ben. Uh, my parents are Jim and Roxanne Ron. 
Um, they both work with Youth for Christ. My mom was a stay-at-home mom growing up, but she works with Youth for Christ now as well. Uh, my dad's kind of like the Siouxland area coordinator. I'm from northwest Iowa. Um, so that's what I grew up around, grew up around ministry. Uh, my sister, who is married, she lives in Bellevue. She works, uh, she's the, the fifth grade teacher at Cornerstone over there. And then brother-in-law uh, works for the police department with Bellevue. Um, my younger brother, obviously he kind of told you guys, he's a freshman in college, walked out in Nebraska, um, awesome guy, a lot of fun. And then my younger sister, who is a senior in high school as well, we're going to try to hook up her with James maybe. Uh, no, but her name is Jessica. Um, yeah, she's a senior in high school. She'll probably come to Omaha next year as well for college um, or nanning, whatever she wants to do. So, Good. no wife. All right. Not yet. Not yet. Some lucky girl. It won't be long. All right. Here we go. First question. How did your parents discipline you and f- what for? What were the things that um, I know lots of parents, myself included, um, as we're disciplining our kids, sometimes we question, are we doing the right thing? Um, lots of different ways to discipline. What were the things that were practically, how did they do it? And then also, um, what were the reasons behind it? Uh, well, my parents, mainly for me, the, the biggest way they disciplined me was spanking me or giving me extra chores or making me go run laps around the house. I mean, whatever it was, grounding me, um, those sorts of things. Um, they, they did that to me for language I use. I never said like cuss words, but stupid was a naughty word for us. So if I said that, um, mouth out with soap, whatever it was. Um, if I hit my sister, those sorts of things, just disrespected my mom. That was a huge one for my family, my dad. Um, and they did that to us. I talked to my parents. Um, they did that because they knew that if we obeyed them, we would obey other people in authority over us, and we would obey God. And that was the biggest thing for them. So yeah. from a very young age, they, they told me right away they wanted to really ingrain obedience to us because we, they knew how, how important that was to our future mm. with our bosses, with, with um, teachers, with anything. Mm. So yeah. that's what they really did for me. Ben, tell us about the time when your mom told you to take out the trash. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up a little bit later. My oh, okay. dad. You can wait. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, want wait. me to wait? Suspense is good. Yeah, Suspense, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so uh, it's quite a bit the same for me, and a lot of these will actually correlate quite a bit. I'm, I mean, my parents must have been friends or something. But, um, no, a lot of good spankings. I remember that, that well. A lot of good spankings. Um, and I was a pretty, I mean, I was a pretty tough child to break, I feel like. Like, I was, you know, kind of, um, you know, I just didn't want to quite follow everything they said necessarily. And, you know, so obviously with, you know, parents that want to raise me up in a good way, they were, they were pretty strict. So a lot of spankings on the rump. Um, but definitely, they, one thing they didn't do with spankings, which I, I think is pretty good, is they never use anything besides their hand. I guess I think quite a few people do that. Is so you know how hard you're hitting them. So you know if you got like a stick, you know, or like a bat, or like, and obviously not that big. I never got anything that big. But they would always try to use their hand, you know, so then they would know how hard they're hitting me. So you know you're not hurting them or whatever. But I still got hurt, I think. But um, no, it was good. Um, and then kind of the same, like disrespecting, swearing. Shucks was a bad word for us. I got huh. spanked for that once, um, huh. so pretty pretty far down there. The little words we uh, we got, you know, because they figured, you know, if we start saying stuff like that, it's only gonna just keep going up the mm. up the ladder. So mm. I mean, stuff like that, and then disrespecting our parents or mom or you know, talking back to them. If you were ever getting a spank and you had something to say, you just better not say it, because uh. <laughs> it's just gonna get a lot worse from there. So huh. um, so just you know, just kind of taking it. And you're like, yeah, I admit yeah. I was wrong. I yeah. getting spanked or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, you might think, wow, their parents are big and bad and tough. They're some of the most gentle people. Yeah, I mean, I don't know Ben's parents well, but I know his pretty well. So anyway, it's cool. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, uh, one other thing my parents told me, too, they didn't discipline us um, 
whether or not it, we would like it. They knew we wouldn't like it, and they didn't discipline us lighter because they didn't want us to hate them. But they, they did it because my mom told me, um, uh, losing my place, she, she knew it was the right and godly thing to do, to, to instill that obedience in me and to make it known to me that that was wrong and I, there will be consequences. And that's kind of the same thing with our faith, too. And so she always wanted me to just know that they love me, they, they care for me, they want to be there for me, but if I do something wrong... I'm going to get disciplined for it. So. Yeah, and then one thing I was going to throw in there is that my parents never really sent me to my room. You know, you hear that a lot, like, go to your room, like, whatever, like, kids, you know, they get sent to their room, and they just chill in there. I mean, that's probably what they want. Like, they want to go to their room. They have lots of fun stuff, especially nowadays. They have <laughs> cell phones and video games. It's like, man, that's the last place, you know, that I ever got to go, but that's probably the first place that kids want to go, you know? Mm. So the thing with, that my parents did is we always had to talk it out, you know? We always, which I hated, and, but it was good, you know? I'd rather get sent to my room, but we always talked through that and figured out, you know, Michael, you did this, you know, we can't have that, the Bible says this, or no, we want this for your life, or, you know, they would always work through that with me, so at the end, I would somehow or kind of see where they were coming from. A lot of the times, it still wasn't that way, you know, but I said, they said, you know, it's because of this, this, A, B, C, and I'd be like, okay, well, I guess I can see that. Shouldn't punch my brother in the face or whatever, but um, what they would do, though, is they would maybe, like, send me to the couch. I remember that a lot for, like, 10 or 20 minutes, whatever, and I hated that because, I'm kind of a little ADD, and I would just sit there, and, you know, it would drive me crazy, not having anything to do. I'd be, like, ripping the cushions off the couch, you know. I just mm. needed to do something. So when they made you sit in, like, a small space, just kind of mm. not, like, in the corner of a room, but just on the couch where they could see me, make sure I wasn't having too much fun, you know. Mm. Um, so that's what they did to me a lot, I guess. Mm. Cool. That's good. Okay. Next question? Yep. Okay. Um, how did they spur you on in your faith? I think one of the main things that did it for me, or just thinking on it, um, one of the things is I saw them read their Bible often. Mm. So when I would walk into the room, a lot of mornings early, um, if I ever got up early in the summer or for school, my dad would be there already up, you know, have coffee already, and he would be reading his Bible. Mm. And it would be a common sight to me to see him doing that. So when I saw him doing that, and I would see my mom do that in the evenings, is usually when she would do it, or else right when I got home from school, she would be there in the recliner reading her Bible. So when I saw that, I said, you know, why, why do they take so much time to read this book? I mean, like, what's so great? You know, growing up, you didn't know what it was all about necessarily. You were still learning. But you see your parents putting that much time into it, and you really begin to, like, wow, okay, so this is you know, big picture stuff. Like, they know what they're doing. So that's kind of what shoved me on um, just to, to want that, what they had, yeah. to, to see them doing that all the time. And I looked up to them so much. So that's kind of what I wanted to do, too. That's great. Uh, my parents really, really uh, encouraged us to get involved in the church. Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, Sunday nights, uh, they, would, they would force us to go. We would go, not hardly anything would get us out of that. Um, but, but they did a good job of finding that balance. They didn't force church down our throats, mm. um, me and my siblings. So if there was an event uh, with, with Youth for Christ, if there was an event with the youth group and we couldn't go, it wasn't a huge deal. They wanted us to go because we had that desire. They wanted to, to make sure that we had a desire um, so the, the, the sports stuff, uh, my brother and I, we grew up around sports. Um, so many weekends, we had weekend tournaments, and my brother, not really me, my brother's the athlete, he, he would be in championship matches with, with baseball, with football, with those sorts of things. But my parents would make him miss those games a lot because church was important to us, and they just wanted us to know that, that God is first over sports, over everything. And that's something that's followed us, obviously, till now. I mean, it's still, it's still huge for us. But... They never, they never forced it down our throats and forced us to be at every single church event. They wanted us to get involved. 
because it was our own desire and we wanted to be there instead of like, oh, my mom's making me go to church. Bummer. Like, this is, this is terrible. I hate church. But no, it was more like, I want to be at church. I want to be here. So when you're there, you're, you're involved. Yeah. You're actively listening. You're opening your heart to God kind of thing. And yeah. That's so, yeah. That's great. Well, a little one for me, and I think Ben will touch on this too, um, is they kind of bribed us just a little bit. Um, so, like, they wanted us to read our Bible, right? Because, you know, start that at a young age. It's a habit you'll have, you know, for a long time, hopefully your whole life. Um, so my parents would say, you know, we'll give you, I think it was 50 cents or 25 cents for every chapter you read in the New Testament. So, you know, back when I was young, I was like, man, I'm going to bank it. Like, I'm going to read the whole <laughs> book of Matthew tonight, and like, I'll have a couple dollars, you know, I'll be doing good. Um, so I don't know if that's good or bad. You guys might have to just take that with a grain of salt and kind of think about that or if you think. But it's kind of like the habit. Once you get that habit going, and you can take away the money, you know, and then hopefully they'll, they'll still keep on going on. Or even if you don't have to take away the money. I mean, that's a pretty good cost. If you can get your, your son or daughter to read the Bible for 50 cents a chapter, shoot, I'd do that. But, um, yeah, so I think um, they did that. I got these guys in a small group. That's actually how we're getting, getting read, stuff Reading through Psalms. Yeah, I'm broke, but they're reading their Bibles. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so that's just kind of... Good. Yeah, so my parents kind of did the same, too. Um, they, they, we had this calendar that my mom had, like, either next to the fridge or on her desk. Um, and we would mark down what days we did our, our Bible reading. And so if we missed less than two or three days out of the month, we would get a CD or a tape or um, a candy bar. Um, I was, I don't mean to brag, but I might have been the only kid who did it all the time, but I never got a candy bar, so I was kind of bitter about that. <laughs> Um, so that's, that's kind of what they did. And they, my mom kind of told me, she's like, she said the same thing, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, you know, some parents might not agree with that, whatever it may be, but it really did, um, just put a pattern in my life to get into the word. I mean, every night, uh, it was important for me to set aside 15 minutes to, to read my Bible so I can get that candy bar. I mean, I never got it, which is okay, I guess, but I mean, I never got it, but it's just one of those things that, that they, they, they put me through and they wanted me to, to get that pattern in my life. And they also had Bible verses next to this calendar. Uh, it was like the verse of the week my mom would always try to get us to memorize. I didn't really do that too much, but just the fact that it's there, mm. she would always set the example. She would always have it memorized mm. before she even put it out. Mm. And she would always like, try to challenge me and, and tell me, hey, come say your verses to me. Hey, what would you learn this week? Or my dad would, would do devos in the morning um, with breakfast, family breakfast. We'd always try to get some time some time in the word together as a family you know, always ask, what, ask mm-hmm. what we're learning from our own reading so that was important good good as they parented you what would you say are some of the most important things to them um they they told me a couple things one of them was making decisions on our own uh, i feel like especially they work with youth so they see this all the time they said a lot of times parents force their kids into stuff and you you ask i mean i've seen it too in high school you ask a kid, you know, how's life going? They say, busy. Oh, man, I have no free time. And they're like, well, maybe you should opt out of a few things. And they say, well, my parents are making me do this. My parents are making me do that. So they, they wanted us to make decisions on our own. They wanted us to do things that we wanted to do. Um, so, again, like going back to the, the desire with church, they wanted us to have a desire to do things that we wanted. Um, so we were all active, but my parents were really just kind of sitting back and, and encouraging us. They are just saying, yeah, hey, awesome job with that. Awesome job with this. Um, they, they wanted us to make life decisions on our own as well. You know, whether or not to get a job, they encouraged us to. I mean, obviously they said, well, we aren't going to pay for your cell phone bill, so you might want to think about getting a job. So, you know, that sort of stuff. So it's kind of like convincing you, I guess. Um, yeah. 
But it was just one of those things. They want us to make decisions on our own because once we get to college, once we get on our own, you know, they know mm-hmm. we're going to have to make decisions on our own. And family won't be there. And it's important to, to learn that, that process of, of thinking through things critically. And so that was huge for them. That's great. Cool. Well, I would say, and Ben would probably say it was one of the, the top ones too, is quality time. Mm. It seemed like, if we look back on our childhood, um, kind of speaking for him here, but I think they always had time for us. There was never a point when I asked my dad, I don't think I can ever remember my mom, and I said, hey, can we like do this? And without a legitimate excuse, if they would you know, just be watching TV, which we never did, but they would never just say, you know, I got, I mean, you know I'm wa- relaxing right now. I just don't really have time to play with you or go outside and help you do X, Y, Z. They always made time for us, and I think that was so huge to see them just want to be like our friends. They wanted to um, just build that relationship with us. They thought of us like, you know, like their friends. They, they always just had so much time for us, and I think, you know, growing up, I heard a lot of kids say, oh, yeah, every time, like, I come home, my dad's, like, downstairs watching TV, like, having beers or whatever, and he just doesn't want to talk, and I can never remember, you know, anything even close to that. I would, my dad would come home from work, and we would you know, hang out, we would, you know, just just go crazy, you know, just yeah. have so much fun together, and we always, I don't know, we always just, or they always had time for us, and it was just so cool to see, um, I guess, that, that they just had time, quality time with us. Yeah, this was challenging. He told me earlier today, he said, when my dad would come home, he's, and his dad told him this last night, I had two things on my mind, kids and wife, you know, and that, that's where my mind wanted to go. I was challenged by that, you know. I, I, sometimes I think, I got project on my mind, and kids and wife and whatever, you know. And anyway, I just, yeah, top priority. Love it, yeah. And going along with that, um, one thing my parents, I feel like I, they always did a good job of, and it, it was really encouraging for me, and it just showed how much they loved and cared for me. Um, a lot of times, you know, you, you invite couples over, like, hey, you want to come over and have a barbecue, you and your wife, or, hey, you want to go do this? Uh, my parents would always, um, 95% of the time, just say, well, can we bring our kids over? Can, can we bring Ben and Gabe over? Can we bring Rachel and Jessica over kind of thing? And um, like one time, my dad was invited to go to a NASCAR race. And our family was NASCAR fans. And he, he said, well, can I bring my sons? Is it OK if we can get tickets for them? And they're like, yeah, sure. And so we're traveling in this millionaire's motorhome down to a NASCAR race as little boys. And it's just like a dream come true. And it's just because our dad wanted that time with us. He knew it would be good quality time. Um, so going along with that, um, they, they also want us to have others to talk to as well. So they encouraged us uh, and supported us in everything we did. But they also wanted us to have other adults to go to because they knew from working with youth that sometimes it's just awkward to go to your parents about things or you just don't feel comfortable. Mm. Um, so they always wanted to make sure that we had someone else in our life, a youth pastor, um, aunt and uncle maybe even, just a, a good family friend, someone mm. that they look up to or that we looked up to to be able to talk to and work through things that might not be comfortable with our parents. And that was, that was a pretty big part of my life personally. Yeah. Um, so that was really big for me. And so yeah, just supporting us too was, was huge. And, being with us. That's great. Um, let's talk a little bit about communication. How, how um, and why was communication so important to them? You guys really hit on this. Yeah, I would say one of the ones, I kind of already touched on this, but every day um, after, you know, after school or whatever, we'd come home and we would have before supper, so you go home at like three or four, you know, and my dad would get home at five, five, ten, whatever, and we would have that two hour, whatever chunk, and my mom and dad would just sit there and talk. They would have coffee. They would talk before supper. Pretty much that was set aside for, you know, kind of do nothing, talk as a family. Hmm. And we necessarily always didn't have to be there, me or James or Thomas or Katie. We weren't, like, required to have, like, a family meeting. But we knew that's what they were going to do as a mom and a dad. Um, hmm. And sometimes we would be there and talk, and hmm. they didn't want us messing around or, you know, just 
being crazy in the living room because that was their time to talk. So we would oftentimes just kind of sit there with them and just kind of see, like, how Dad's day was, what Mom was up to. You know, they'd ask us about school, and we'd have plenty of time to communicate, you know, talk about, hey, there was this kid at school. He said this to me. What should I do? You know, we'd have time to kind of flesh that stuff out. Um, so that was probably one of the big ones for me is just that they would set aside time kind of specifically for that. And coffee was probably a big part of it. <laughs> but um, set aside time to talk kind of as a family sure. like that. So that's pretty big. Yeah, it's kind of the same with mine. Uh, we always like to work through conflict and problems right away. I, for one, I was the kid in our family who always bottled stuff up. I didn't want to talk about it. Um, but my parents always just sat me down and kind of forced me to talk about it and work through it. Um, and they would really do it one-on-one. -on -one. Um, it's just how they worked. Um, with our family, they, my mom and dad wanted to create a safe and, and fun environment. Um, so they, they kind of got on our level a lot. They didn't, like, look down on us. They didn't um, really, like, yell at us or anything. They just wanted to make sure that whatever the problem was with whoever it was with, it just got worked through um, calmly and well and in a good environment. And just they wanted us to feel safe going to them. And so they didn't, like, ever freak out on us. They didn't overreact ever. Um, and so that was, that was huge. I mean, it's, I, go, I go to them a lot now. But growing up, I never did just because I just hated talking. Um, I hated I just wanted to bottle stuff up. And so that was, that was really big for them to work through conflict, to work through problems. Mm -hmm. And it allowed us to have a friendship too. Yeah. Like that, that was just kind of a point. That's, like, that's my next point is the friendship that we had in our, in our family. Mm. Um, my family always had game nights or movie nights or stuff. Like if we wanted to go out and have, have fun with our friends, um, sometimes they would, they would force us. They would just say, no, we're going to have a family night tonight. You got to stay home. Yeah. And sometimes I hated it, sometimes I loved it. I mean, most of the time I ended up loving it in the end because it was a good movie or it was a lot of fun playing a game, apples to apples, whatever it was. Um, so that was awesome. Those times, like my favorite memories uh, growing up, going through high school is um, like after my brother's football games or even my events, uh, we, my dad and my brother and I would always just be in the kitchen, eat a frozen pizza at like 11 at night and just talk and just have fun and, mm. and bro out as they call it or whatever. Uh, just, just talking and working through things and stuff and just being a friend. So like they disciplined us, yeah. they showed care in that way, but they also, they got on our level and they, they were our best friends growing up too. Mm -hmm. So that was huge. That's great. Talk to us just briefly about um, how they kept their marriage as a priority. We're almost out of time, but just take a minute on that. Um, well, my parents, they always had date nights, uh, at least once a week, a lot of times, two times a week. I always just set aside time for themselves to go out, have, have dinner, go to a movie, whatever it was. Um, they either leave us at home or we would be at a church event, something like that, um, and they'd just go, go have fun on themselves. And um, they, they kept in contact throughout the day. That was also big, uh, even though they're, you know, a, a two-minute drive where I grew up. Um, they always kept in contact, knew each other, uh, knew where each other were at, knew when each other were going to be home. They always had lunch dates. They always had supper dates kind of thing and meetings together. Lots and so a lot of time together, yeah. Cool. Um, well, I would say one of them for me is kind of the same, um, or for them, is they were very intentional about talking together, kind of like we talked hmm. talked about before, like in the living room. They would just be intentional about talking together. Um, and the other one I had written down here was um, they kept their own spiritual lives, or their, um, their own spiritual lives strong as an individual, so then together they could work on hmm. their marriage, you know, hmm. as a couple. And then it would be a lot stronger and a lot easier to go through, you know, trials or whatever they had um, in front of them. And then the other one is they would just, um, they were very consistent. There was never a time where I saw my parents in a different light. Like in one setting, I saw my mom and dad act this way. And then 
in a different light, I saw them, you know, like, I was like, well, you wouldn't wonder, like, what are they doing? Like, they're acting different than they normally do at home. I always saw them in the same light. So they were very constant and predictable in what mm -hmm. they were going to do. So when they were apart, they knew kind of like, yeah, they're not going to be running off and, you know, going, you know, somewhere where they say they're not going to. So they were just very real with each other. So yeah. that was a big part of it. That's great. And that was my story. Um, my dad, he, he hated it when we disrespected our mom. And there's one time, I was a junior in high school. Um, I, my mom asked me to go do, like, go take out the trash. And I said, no, mom, I want to watch TV. I just told her no. And normally my parents would send me to my room and wait for my dad to get home to spank me. I'd put on extra underwear, make it, uh, I mean, do whatever. Um, but this time my dad sped home, got home fast, and he grabbed me by the shirt and picked me up. My dad's a big guy, really scary. And he said, one thing he said, he said, never talk to my wife like that again. He didn't say your mom. He said my wife. Mm. So sometimes when he was mad at us like that, he just, he kept my mom a priority cool. and just saying, like, she's the number one person in my life. I love you guys. You guys are like my pride and joy, but don't talk to my wife like that. He would never say your mom. He would never say our mom. He would just say my wife. Don't talk to Roxanne like that, whatever it was. And so that was, that was huge for me. He, he didn't tell me that. I just, that's something I picked up on. That's something my whole family picked up on is, is how, how my mom was first in his life. And that's how he kept, they kept each other priority. And so that was really awesome to see and something I want to do, too, as well in the Very future. Very cool. 30 seconds. Any parting shots, guys? Well, uh, I would say um, what makes, just kind of think about it, and maybe you would even write this bet down, but what makes you guys feel loved? What is it that, that makes you guys feel wanted or loved or cared for? And I would say write that down and do that for your kids because chances are that's what they're kind of like looking and yearning mm. for, too. Um, mm. Yeah, That's cool. Uh, when I talked to my parents, they said the most, the last thing they told me, they said this is probably the most important thing um, that they did as a parent. They said they admitted when they did wrong, when they made mistakes. They admitted that. Because mm. um, one thing that they dealt with a lot with, with troubled youth uh, and Youth for Christ, they said a lot of kids come up to them and they, they don't respect their parents. They don't obey their parents because they, their parents are perfect. You know, they say, well, my mom got mad at me for drinking, but my mom does the same thing. Or my, my dad got mad at me for smoking, but he does the same thing. I don't get it. I don't, I don't want to be part of this family. But my parents, um, like later, with that story I just told, my, my dad came back to me later and he said, I'm sorry I overreacted with that, but I really want you to respect your mom. Because yeah. like, the way you respect your mom is the way you're going to respect other women in your life. And so yeah. they always admitted when they did wrong, they got real with us. And that's, yeah. that's also like what, mm. what helped us to develop that friendship as well. Yeah. Awesome. Not only were they a figure, like a father figure, but yeah. friend, friendship as well. Very cool. Guys, thanks. Yeah, great job. Appreciate you sharing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, just real quick, and then I want to let you go, and we've got four minutes to pick up your kids, get downstairs by 7.30, no rush, all right? Um, but here's the thing, next, weekend we're gonna, next week we're going to talk about how do you find rest for your family in the midst of a busy world, so I think that's a topic we can all kind of latch on to, um, so yeah, come next week, and uh, we'll, we'll hash that one out together. We'll meet downstairs uh, at 7.30 tonight, 7.30, okay? You're dismissed. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Good job. Yeah. If you soldier on, get strong, smooth.